Following the Boston Tea Party, December the 16th of 1773, in which American colonists dumped 342 containers of tea into the Boston Harbor, the British Parliament enacted a series of acts in response to the rebellion in Massachusetts. In May of 1774, General Thomas Gage, commander of all military forces in the colonies, arrived in Boston, followed by the arrival of four regiments of British troops. The First Continental Congress met in the fall of 1774 in Philadelphia with 56 delegates representing every colony except Georgia. On September the 17th, the Congress declared its opposition to be to the repressive acts of Parliament, saying they are not to be obeyed, and also promoted the formation of local militia units. Thus, economic and military tensions between the colonists and the British escalated. In February of 1775, a Provincial Continent Congress was held in Massachusetts during which John Hancock and Joseph Warren began defensive preparations for a state of war. The British Parliament then declared Massachusetts to be in a state of rebellion. On March 23rd in Virginia, the largest colony in America, a meeting of the colony's delegates was held in St. John's Church in Richmond. Resolutions were presented by Patrick Henry putting the colony of Virginia into a posture of defense embodying, arming, and disciplining such a number of men as may be sufficient for that purpose. Before the vote was taken on his resolution, Henry delivered the speech we're about to hear, employing the delegates to vote in favor. He spoke without any notes in a voice that became louder and louder, climaxing with the now famous ending. Following his speech, the vote was taken in which his resolution passed by a narrow margin, and thus Virginia join the American Revolution. Patrick Henry No man thinks more highly than I do of the patriotism as well as the abilities of the very worthy gentlemen who have just addressed the house. But different men often see the same subject in different lights, and therefore I hope that it will not be thought disrespectful to those gentlemen if, entertaining as I do opinions of a character very opposite to theirs, I shall speak forth my sentiments freely and without reserve. This is no time for ceremony. The question before the House is one of awful moment for this country. For my own part, I consider it as nothing less than a question of freedom or slavery. And in proportion to the magnitude of the subject ought to be the freedom of the debate. It is also in this way that we can hope to arrive at truth and fulfill the great responsibility which we hold to God and our country. I should keep back my opinions at such a time through fear of giving offense. I should consider myself as guilty of treason towards my country and of an act of disloyalty towards the majesty of heaven, which I revere above all earthly kings. Mr. President, it is natural to man to indulge in the illusions of hope. We are apt to shut our eyes against the painful truth and listen to the song of that siren that she transforms us into beasts. It is this part of wise men engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty. Are we disposed to be of the number of those having eyes see not and having ears hear not the things which so nearly concern these temporal salvation? For my part, whatever anguish of spirit it may cost, I am willing to know the whole truth, to know the worst and provide for it. I have but one lamp in which my feet are guided, and that is the lamp of experience. I know of no way of judging the future but by the past, and by judging the past I wish to know that there has been a, a conduct in the British ministry for the last ten years to justify those hopes 
to which gentlemen have pleased to solace themselves and the house. It is that insidious smile with which our petition has been lightly received. Trust it not, sir, it will prove to be a snare to your feet. Suffer not yourselves to be portrayed with a kiss. Ask yourself how this gracious reputation of our petition comports with these warlike preparations which cover our waters and darken our land. Are fleets and armies necessary to work of a work of love and reconciliation? Have we shown ourselves so unwilling to be reconciled that force must be called in to win back our love? Let us not deceive ourselves, sir. These are the implements of war and subjugation, the last arguments to which kings resort. I ask, gentlemen, sir, that which means this military array, if its purpose be not to force us to submission. Can gentlemen assign any other possible motive for it? Has Great Britain any enemy in this quarter of the world to call all this accumulation of knaves and armies? No, sir, she has none. These are meant for us. They can be meant for no other. They are sent to bind rivet upon us these chains which the British ministry have been so long forging. And what have we to oppose them? Shall we try argument? Sir, we have been trying that for the last ten years. Have we anything new to offer on this subject? Nothing. We have held the subject up in every light of which is capable, but it has all been in vain. Shall we resort to entreaty and humble supplication? What terms shall we find when we have not already exhausted? Let us not, I beseech you, sir, deceive ourselves any longer. Sir, we have done everything that could be done to avert the storm which is now coming. We have petitioned, we have remonstrated, we have supplicated, we have prostrated ourselves before the throne, and have implored its interposition to arrest this tyrannical hands of the ministry and par parliament. Our petitions have been slighted, our remonstrations have produced additional violence and insult, our supplications have been disregarded, and we have been spurned with contempt from the foot of the throne. In vain, after these things, may we indulge the fond hope of peace and reconciliation. There is no longer any room for hope. If we wish to be free, if we mean to preserve inviolate those inestimable privileges from which we have been so long contending, if we mean not basely to abandon the noble struggle in which we have so long been engaged, and which we have pledged ourselves never to abandon until the glorious object of our contest shall be attained, we must fight. I repeat it, sir, we must fight. An appeal to arms and to the God of hosts is all that is left. They tell us, sir, that we are weak, unable to cope with so formidable an adversary. But when shall we be stronger? Will it be next week or next year? Will it be when we are totally disarmed or when a British guard shall be stationed at every house? Shall we gather strength by irresolution or inaction? Shall we acquire the means of ineffectual resistance by lying supplyingly on our backs and hugging the delusive phantom of hope until our enemy shall be bound us shall have us bound hand and foot? Sir, we are not weak. If we make a proper use of the means which God of nature has placed in our power, three millions of people armed in the holy cause of liberty, and in such a country that as we possess, are invincible by any force with which our enemy can send against us. Besides, sir, we shall fight battles of our own alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations, and who will rise up, friends, to fight our battles for us. The battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, 
the brave. Besides, sir, we have no election. If we were base enough to desire it, it is now too late to retire from the contest. There is no retreat but submission and slavery. Our chains are forged. Their clanking may be heard on the plains of Boston. The war is inevitable. Let it come. I repeat, sir, let it come. It is in vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war is actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north shall bring our ears to the clashing of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What does this gentleman wish? What that would they have us do? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of change and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but for me, give me liberty or give me death. Patrick Henry, March 23, 1775. 1 Peter 5, 7 and 8. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may desire. Acts 10.38 How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. 1 John 3.8 He that commits sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now join us as we hear Pastor Dorman using Patrick Henry's speech as the premise for his sermon on being born free. As my Father sent me, so send I you. Why are we here? To destroy the works of the devil. That's our job. To put an end to all this. See, all those enemies that we've been battling. In, in Matthew ten eight, he said, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. What is the word? Freely you have received. What is it to freely receive? Is there anything in the whole kingdom or with Christ or God that's not totally freely given to us at no cost? Nothing. The word freely means no cost. Freely you have received at no cost. Now, take what you've been freely given and give it to someone else freely. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out devil. John 8, 31, he said, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. See, the truth will set us free. But it's the truth you know that sets you free. You've got to know what's been paid for in your life. Amen? It will. Freedom, truth. You know, I was thinking about this, this verse in Acts, and I entitled this message, Born Free. In Acts chapter 22, they were, the Romans had took Paul, and they tied him up with leather straps and was fixing to beat him to get some information from him. And he said to the one fixing to beat him, he says, Is it right for you to take a Roman citizen uncondemned and beat him? And, he, and this guy that's fixing to beat him said, uh, Are you a Roman citizen? He said, I am. So he went and got the centurion, the one that was over this. And he came back to Paul and he said, Now, Paul, are you a Roman? And he says, I am. And the, this centurion said, You know what? With great price I obtained this freedom for myself. He was talking about the freedom that he had. And Paul said, But you know what? I was born free. So they left him and went away and, and, and seen what they had done and they turned him loose. 
See, there's a difference. We've been born again free. That's right. Amen. Satan has no right, no authority, no legal rights. Right. The, the world, the flesh, and the devil has no legal rights to try to bring us under slavery again. Because we've been born again free. And we're to stand fast in that liberty and be not again entangled with any yoke of bondage he wants to put on us. And I want to tell you something. The devil will put everything on you that you'll take. Matter of fact, your old man will put everything on you that you want to take. And sin and the law will do the same thing to you. All of those are enemies that's been taken care of once for all. We are brand new. If any man is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Old things are passed away and all things are what? Become new. You remember in Galatians when it talks about the being born of a bondwoman or born of a free woman? He's talking about the law and he's talking about grace. But he says, what did he say? One that is a free woman. Let, let's look in Acts chapter 4. I want to read verse 22. I don't have that down here. Acts 4, 22. I want you to read what he said here. I'm telling you, folks, it's time for us to stand up and, and contend for what's been freely given to us in Christ. You know, I don't think it says in vain, Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find any faith on the earth? You know why? Because what? Satan is after your faith. The trying of your faith is more precious than gold that perish. Though it be tried with fire, will be found at the praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil don't care about anything about you but your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's trying to do everything he can to take that away from you. He accuses and he does everything. All right, I was in the wrong book. Excuse me. I get a little excited at times. Y'all don't, but I, I do sometimes. Verse 22, for it is written, Abraham had two sons. How many sons did he have? Two. One by the bondmaid and the other by the free woman. He that was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, and he of the free woman was born at the, by the promise. How many of you know there's two, two kids working in your life? Yeah, there you are. Okay. Which things are an allegory for these two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which genders to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar in Mount Sinai in Arabia answered to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. It is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry, thou that travailest, with, with, travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than they of the married husband. That's Isaiah 54, verse 1. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But then, as then, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Even so it is now. Now let me read that again. Why? Because you have an adversary within you that's hostile towards God, and it's your old man. The natural mind is hostile towards the new mind. It's not subject to God, and it never will be. It says... Okay, where was I at? Verse 29, But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Spirit, even so is it now. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brother, we are not of the children of the bondwoman, but of the free. I think sometimes when he gets to acting up a little too much, you might want to tell him to hit the dough. Hit the dough. Cast him out. Get rid of him. Amen. Hit the dough. Eric gave me that word. Hit the dough. And don't come back no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more. <laughs> Sometimes you have to tell him to do that. Okay? 
because all they want is to bring you under bondage. You know, we look in Galatians chapter 3. You remember what he said in Galatians chapter 3? Let's just turn right back here. He's dealing with the people that were free, and now all of a sudden they want to go back under legalism and bondage. Do we see that going on today? Is it going on everywhere? Just watch GLC and see how much of it's going on today. Don't shout me down. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not bear the truth, but whose eyes Jesus has evidently set forth crucified? This only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if they be in vain? See, a lot of the suffering and the bondage that we're going through, we don't have to go through. We've been set free from all that stuff, so we need to stand fast in the liberty of that. Watch Manee in his book, Grace for Grace, page 21. I want to tell you what he says right here. He says, In the past and up to the present day, no one of us have been able to mix Christianity and Judaism together and still preserve both. For the result of such a mixture can only be a cause Christianity to be unlike Christianity and Judaism to be like, unlike Judaism. Both will lose their flavor. God will not tolerate such a thing. Add Judaism to Christianity, and the result is neither Judaism or Christianity. New wine cannot be put in old wineskins. New wine cannot be put in old wineskins. You cannot mix all these feasts and all this stuff's going on with your Christianity and say all it does is just enrich my walk. A little leaven leavens a whole lump. They do not, it's like water and oil. They do not mix. One of them is by the law and one of them is by grace. And if you add a little bit of grace, you done lost, a little bit of law to your grace, you done lost what you had. So don't think you can play with a rattlesnake and not get bit. I know we shall take up serpents and they'll not bite us. But I'm telling you, when you willfully start playing with something you know better, you're in trouble. So don't go there. That's from Watchman Nee. You can quote Watchman Nee. You don't have to quote me. We have been justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ. But in Romans 5.15 it says, But not as the offense, so also is the what? Free gift. It's a what? It's a free gift. For by grace we've been saved through faith, right? Not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmen created to do what? Good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So he wants us to stand fast in it. And, you know, we, we see all the struggles in the New Testament that Paul went through and, and, and every one of the churches he wrote, every church he wrote this letter to, he was telling them, don't get back under legalism of the law. Don't be mixing the grace of God with legalism and works of righteousness. And that was, you take out his writings to the churches, there's nothing left in the letters. This is what he was talking about. That's why to the Galatians he says what? Stand fast, Galatians 5.1, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And be not, what, again entangled in the yoke of bondage. For I say it for the grace of God, if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. What? Nothing. And I think it's Galatians, what, 5.15, it says, Neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. A what? New creature. It's not a matter of being a Jew. It's not a matter of being a Gentile. Both of these two are going to become one. It's called a new man. That's the gospel right there. So it's not about all these other things. See, Christ come to set us free from all that. And whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. You know, in Romans chapter 7, it, I like this. We, we see Romans 6 telling you to 
you know, you're buried with him, raised to walk in the newness of life. But remember Romans 7 says, verse 1, Know you not, brethren, I speak to them that know the law, that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he live. For the woman which has a husband is bound by the law of her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she is called an adulteress. But if the husband be dead, she is free. Say free. free. From the law. From the law. So that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another. Wherefore, my brethren, now catch this. Ye also have become dead to the law. The law died by what? The body of Christ. You have become dead to that thing through what Christ? Christ what? Redeemed us from that old man. We've been set free from that thing. He's dead. He no longer has influence in our life. So that we can be married to another, even to him whom God raised from the dead. When Christ died, I died. And what died? That legalistic law of sin and death that had me in bondage just no longer alive. I've been set free from the law of sin and death. That's what Romans 8, 1 says. For the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of what? Sin and death. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. And the law will no longer have dominion over you. And the flesh will no longer have dominion over you. And I've got news for you. Satan will never have dominion over you. Jesus said, the prince of this world comes and he finds no place in me. And it says that that is born of God, the wicked one cannot touch it. The new creation. He can't even touch it. The only thing he can touch is the old man. Not the new man. So we, what we've got to do, we've got to stand fast in that liberty. Hallelujah. You ready for that? And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Freedom. See, this is more than just a holiday. I want you to see the greatest liberty and the freedom we ever had when Christ set us free. Amen. Think about what he set us free from. To walk in the newness of life. Bondage, you know. As I was thinking about this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But you know God always lets us have a choice. How many of you know we have a choice? We have a choice. Remember what it says in Joshua? Choose this day whom you will serve. Deuteronomy, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. What do you want to do? Choose life. And choose blessing that you and your children may live. See, we have a choice of life or death. You can, you can live in the life of what Christ has done for you, or you can go back into the death of law and legalism. You have a choice. You have a choice of blessing or cursing. But you know what? Christ redeemed us from the curse. I want to tell you something. If you're in Christ, there's no curse on this earth can touch you. You don't need to be running around fearing every little curse that's coming around. Because Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles by faith. So we don't have to go there anymore. We can be in bondage or liberty. We can live in light or we can live in darkness. We can live in corruption or we can live in incorruption. And you even know First Peter says what? We've been born again not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed by the word of God that lives and abides forever. Right? We've been born again. It's a seed problem. It always has been. You know that corruptible thing? It can never be. This is the part of the problem we got in the church today. We get born again in our spirits. 
And then we sit out and tell everybody, you've got to quit this and quit that, and you've got to clean up your old life, and you've got to do that. I want to tell you something. That's not the truth. The truth is your old man was crucified. There is nothing left to change in him. All you've got to do is exchange the rascal. We spend way too much time dealing with sin and, and what's going on in people's life, trying to get them better. That which is born of a corruptible seed will always be a corruptible seed. It will never be anything but corruptible. But we've been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but what? An incorruptible seed by the word of God. And what does it say? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's why the old heart cannot be changed. We sing that song, change my heart, O God. It can't change. It's corruptible. That's why Ezekiel 36, 26, he says what? I'll give you a new one. I give you a new heart and a new spirit. And I'll take away the stony heart and I'll give you a heart of flesh. See, in a new heart is a heart of love. We have the mind of Christ. We have a new heart, new emotions, new, new everything in Christ. But we still have that old one over there. If you want to live in self-pity and rejection and being beat up every day, you can choose death or life. I say choose life. We don't have to live there anymore. Derek Prince, in his book, Bought with Blood, He said, God showed me years ago that corruption is irreversible. Once it's present, you can slow it down, but there's no way to turn it back. Take, for instance, a beautiful peach. It looks perfect, but corruption is at work in it. Leave it on the table and it becomes shriveled and unattractive. The modern solution is when when it gets ripe to put it in the refrigerator. Yet the refrigerator does not stop the corruption. It merely slows it down. Many churches are like the refrigerator. They cannot change the corruption. They just try to slow it down. The answer, God does not patch up the old man or educate him or send him to Sunday school or make him memorize scripture. It does not help. The only answer is exchange, not change. That's good. I don't care who says it. It's good. See, we've been born again. Of God's own will, it says in James, that he beget us with the word of truth. That means sperma. He birthed us forth a brand new creation. And what we've got to do, Colossians 3, 1 says, if you've risen with Christ, set your affection on things above, <clears throat> not on things of the earth. So we're here. What does the scripture say? Fight the good fight of faith. Don't go there. What does it say? Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What does it say? Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God, are pulling down the strongholds and casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And it says to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. How many of you know, even though we're who we are, there's still a battle out there to get you out of who you are. Now I want you to think about what Patrick Henry was saying here. He said, we don't have a choice but to fight. We can't sit back and lay on the floor and just and draw back and do nothing. You've got to stand fast in the liberty that Christ has set you free. And do not allow all this stuff to be put back in your life. You've got to stand for it. Amen? Because, see, it's real scri- there's too many scriptures. No man that warreth entangle himself in the fair of this world, that he may please him that's called him to be a good soldier. Jesus said they're in the world, but they're not of the world. Father, I ask you to keep them. Give them the armor they need to stand against all the wiles of the devil. You know the devil don't even know he's defeated? Do you know he still thinks he's going to win? Read Revelation. He still thinks he's going to win. And I think there's too many Christians still not too sure. Some of us still in doubt of who's going to win this thing. Read the last chapter. 
so what? We just we got to occupy the land that he's given us. It's not about taking. It's just holding on to what we've been freely given. You take part of it and you stand on it. Don't let him go. Well, we got communion. You know, I wrote down here, I don't know what course others may take. But give me liberty or give me death. No. I say, but give me a new creation. But for me and my house, we will receive liberty and we will receive life. That's a choice you've got to choose, life. It's been given to you, and you freely it's been given, so freely give it. Amen? As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same gift one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Listen, take this liberty we've been given. Not only in the natural. I'm telling you something, this natural thing is important. Our forefathers paid an awesome price for what we got to watch it go down the tubes like we're watching it go down. We have responsibility to... to Pray for our nation. We have responsibility to vote people in that's got your best interest and your grandkids' best interest in heart. Now, we've gone so far now, it's going to take some suffering on all of our part to get it back. There's no way this is going to get to where it needs to be without all of us suffering some. So don't worry about the suffering because it says if we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. Amen? So this thing needs to turn around. Amen? But I'm telling you, look at the church. For too long, Christ has paid a price for something that the devil has come in and taken a lot of joy and a lot of peace and a lot of things he paid for away. It's time to stand up and say no more. No more. Amen? Come on, Eric.